we have these modern things like this so that I can read, I can make the print big enough that I can read, um, and yet my own notes are small enough that I have to have my reading glasses in order to, to be able to, to see my own notes. And uh, I, uh, interesting, 20 years ago I would have never thought I would ever have a day when I needed readers. And a year ago when I broke down and, and bought them, it was, it was a very emotional time for me to realize I, I really need these in order to, to be able to see my phone about half of the time and to read my Bible and look at notes that I, I print out and things. Um, but it's really, uh, as I've gotten older, come to a point where um, I really, I, I have to have them in order to see um, things that are, are important like that. And uh, you might be thinking right now, he's really nervous talking about his glasses and just blabbering on, but, but that's not true. You see, when I was also a, a younger believer, uh, my sins were, were pretty obvious to me and to everybody else. Um, but as I've, I've grown older, um, I, I have found that um, it's easier for me to justify things, uh, attitudes, the condition of my own heart at times. It, uh, it becomes easier, if you will, to, uh, uh, to look at God's word because you've got your life all together once you're my age. Uh, you know, you've got it all together. And uh, yes, you can go ahead and laugh at that. Um, but it's, it's easy um, to, um, to realize um, that there still is issues that need to be dealt with. And sometimes what we need is some readers that can help us see the real condition. And, and that is God's Word and His Holy Spirit revealing His Word to us to keep us from justifying our own actions or, or our own attitudes. And so this morning, before we turn to, to James and start to look at the condition of our heart, I, I want us to pray that God's Spirit would um, give us the ability to see our hearts uh, the way He sees them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord God, now to uh, help us, Father God, by your Spirit, through your Word, uh, to show us the condition of our own hearts and to reveal to us, Father God, uh, the things uh, that perhaps need to change in our hearts. I ask you, Father God, to use uh, the words that I say this morning um, to edify others, Lord God, to edify myself even. Most of all, Lord, that they would bring glory to you. Lord, uh, we ask you now to lead us and guide us in Christ's name. Amen. So I've already kind of blown the whistle on things uh, as far as where we're, we're heading this morning. At the preaching meeting this past week, uh, Pastor Scott always asked the question, what's your big idea, what's your main idea, something along those lines. And, uh, and this is what I had written out. Uh, Our outward relationships with others can reveal an inward problem 
that directly affects our upward relationship with God. So there's the outward relationships, the inward condition, and the upward effect that it has uh, as far as our relationship with God. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at today as we look at James, uh, the fourth chapter. Um, Jeremiah wrote uh, centuries ago, he wrote that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And he says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And then David declared in Psalm 19, who can discern his own errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. I shall be blameless. Uh, that, that idea there of presumptuous sins is, is the idea of uh, somehow thinking that we've got it all together, and yet we fall into sin or find ourselves in sin, those presumptuous sins. So um, keep that in mind as we turn uh, to James chapter 4, where we read this, <clears throat> starting in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have... So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, I see in this three things, uh, indicators. There's that outward relationship with others, an inward condition, and an upward result in our relationship with God. But finally, there's a solution to the problem. And so our goal this morning is to take a look at these things and get to the solution. Notice there in the very first verse again, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We see in there some things that I think are really important to us. First of all, there is the fighting the quarreling, the desiring, the coveting, and even murder is mentioned in this passage of Scripture. Now, some people would, would want to know, and it was a big part of our discussion, were they actually murdering one another? Were they actually murdering brothers and sisters? 
And there are some commentators that say absolutely, and others say, no, it's a figure of speech. He's, uh, you know, they probably were just uh, using bad language about one another or being angry with one another. And, you know, Jesus did say that if you call your brother a fool, uh, you know, it, you might as well be murdering him and those kind of things. And the, 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 the issue is it doesn't matter whether they literally were murdering each other or just murdering each other with their words. It doesn't really matter. The thing that's important is that there was a problem in relationships with one another. They were fighting and they were quarreling. These were individuals whose lives were in complete disruption and their relationships with one another were in complete, utter ruin and discord. Part of the reason that this is so important, and I, I think it's worth mentioning, is that John uh, chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus said, By this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Not by all this will men know you are my disciples because you fight and bicker and quarrel with one another. Nope, nope. It's because you love one another. Paul took it one step even further than that and said it's not just about your relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, but with everybody. In Romans 12, 8, he said, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. That's really a huge thing. You see, our relationships matter. And the way we deal with the world and with other believers, our outward relationships are extremely important. However, um, we sometimes to get all that confused we really should be lining up more with what it said up in chapter 13 or chapter 3 uh, where we looked last week in verse 13 he says who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not be false uh, or do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see, <laughs> he's already made it clear that godly wisdom is going to bring peace. There's going to be good relationships. Earthly wisdom brings the exact opposite. These things that he then very directly addresses in chapter 4 those relationships where there's quarrels and there's fighting. You and I need to be individuals who, who look at our own lives and ask the question on a regular basis, how are my relationships, my outward relationships with other believers? 
and with the world at large, but here he's specifically talking to the, the members of the church. And he's saying, even among yourselves, you're fighting. And, you know, I, I don't know that I have, uh, in, in my 35 years, uh, almost, almost 35 years of being a believer, I've ever seen more discord in churches than I do today. More people pointing fingers and making accusations and trying to justify their own thoughts and the way that they're living and pointing fingers at other people. We need to be individuals who will look and ask, how are those relationships? One important thing that I see in this passage of Scripture here, not just about the uh, fighting and, and quarreling, is, is the reason for it. Why? Why are, is there all this fighting and quarreling? The, the fact of the matter is that it's about an inward condition. When we find ourselves in opposition with one another and fighting with one another, it's not because we're following, we're all following God. Somebody has got to have an inward problem if there's that outward evidence. So notice here in our passage of Scripture again, what causes the quarrels and what causes the fights among you? I mean, he's asking the question directly. And notice what it is he says. Is it not this? It's your passions, your desires, your coveting, your fighting, your quarreling. Something is taking place inside. He even said it so clearly, those passions that are at war within you. It's the exact opposite, if you will, of what I've always thought I would have by this time in my life. Now, this isn't, uh, I'm going to use myself a, a little bit here as an illustration, but 30 years ago, I had a, a little bit of conflict in me uh, where I was fighting with myself, and I knew there was a, a fight against sin in my own life and a fight against the desires in my own heart. And I, I remember reading way back then uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, where Paul writes, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I remember thinking to myself, boy, I can't wait to mature as a believer. Come to that point in, in my life where, where I am just fully content in Jesus. That nothing else will matter to me. That inwardly, I will just be, oh, it's okay. It's 30 years later. And to be really honest, I still find that there are passions that war within me. It's still going on. They're different, different wars, different passions, but God continually reminds me, hey, Kevin, there's things in your heart, and we need to talk about those things. You see, 
We as individuals need to understand this battle. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, uh, and it, it's kind of a, one of those funny passages, we won't turn there and, and look at it fully, but it's one of those passages where, where what he says in, in that one, Romans 7, he says, uh, the, the things that, that I, I don't want to do, or the things that I, I do want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing them. And then he asked the question, Oh, wretched man, who will deliver me? And the answer is, Jesus is the one who will deliver. We need to be individuals that look and understand there's a battle that's taking place. We need to be individuals who are willing to look at our own lives and our own relationships with other people. And if we're in battle, if we're fighting and we're quarreling with one another, we ask the tough questions. How's my heart? Where am I at? What is it that God is saying to me and showing to me? He goes on in this passage of Scripture, and, and, and he even says there in verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Even when we do turn to God, we can fool ourselves into believing that I'm going to do all of this with the right reasons, for the right motives. And yet he writes here and he says, not so much. You see, if our passions were right, we could understand uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, where, where Jesus, talking about the need for food and clothing, he says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. That would bring contentment and peace. But oftentimes, that's not where we're we're really at. Instead, we're where 1 John 15 speaks to us. And 1 John 15, or 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 say, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Do you see in there a connection? You can pray and not receive because your motives aren't right. You want to spend it on yourselves. Or you can pray in accordance with God's will, and he's going to hear you, and he's going to deliver. The difference isn't in the prayer, or even the, the way that you pray. We're not talking about here a, a change in, in prayer, and there's plenty of books that'll tell you how to pray, but really it's about the condition of the heart of the one who is praying. Our inward condition is important. We want to move right through this, so we're going to move on to the next important thing. Because yes, we can all look at our lives and see those outward relationships. And it's very possible that as I talked just a little bit about fighting and quarreling among believers and those passions that are at war within us, 
maybe certain relationships came to mind. And you immediately thought to yourself, oh yeah, I've got one of those relationships. Or yeah, I am fighting and I am quarreling. Maybe I am somebody who's argumentative. Maybe I am somebody who's not living at peace. Maybe as we talked about the inward condition of our hearts, you were able to, to say, yeah, I know that in my heart sometimes there's problems and I know there's a battle taking place. But do we really understand that the greatest and most important part of this relationship is our upward relationship with God? Because when we find ourselves with these inward problems that are evident in those outward relationships, the biggest effect is in our upward relationship with God. Look at the, the passage of Scripture here as he turns to, to verse 4. It's, uh, it's almost shocking. Now remember, James is, is writing primarily to Jewish converts, uh, to Christianity, those that, that have come to Christ. But, uh, and this is a very Jewish statement to make. God in the Old Testament talked a lot about the people of Israel being adulterous. Uh, when they would turn to other gods, he would talk about them being adulterers. And that's what he says here in verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Adulterous people, that is a tough statement to swallow. Uh, I, I think it's easy, uh, would be easier for us to, to try and come up with some other wording other than adulterous people. This idea of, about being an adulterous people uh, is quite shocking uh, to our senses, I think, and, and maybe we'll, we'll make this a, a little bit easier, maybe not a whole lot easier, but maybe a little easier to swallow. This is what P, uh, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now look at this list. I love this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, 
which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. I don't know if, if you think that's a little softer there because rather than adulterous people, he's talking there about idolatry. But I think it's really important that we understand both of them. Uh, either way you go and want to look at it, maybe you think to yourself, I'd rather be called an idolater than an adulterer. I don't know. Uh, in our discussion this last week, we had a, quite a discussion over that part of it because you adulterous people, we think, no, that's an offense worse than anything you can imagine. But you know, to God, it's the same thing. The passion of the heart has replaced God with something else. You've put something else in your heart that takes the place of the affection and the passions that only God should have. You adulterous people, you idolaters, your, your passions are wrong. I, I think it's interesting to note here that this is something that has to be active and not something that's passive in both cases. It's not like you wake up one day and you go, oh, oh my goodness. Oops, I've committed adultery. Or, oops, I woke up this morning and discovered we make decisions. In fact, if you look there in that passage of Scripture again in verse 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world, friendship, that has to do with, with coming alongside of, bringing loyalty to, buddying up to. It's not something that's accidental, but that's equivalent to enmity with God. And if that isn't clear enough about it being something that has to be active and not passively taking place, then the rest of the verse, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's something that, that takes place as we make decisions about our relationship with God. This idea here uh, becomes really evident to me when I think about Matthew chapter uh, 6 and verse 24, where Jesus makes the statement that you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and serve money. You'll make an enemy of one uh, or an enemy of the other. You can't serve two masters. And 1 John chapter 2 Verses 15 through 17, uh, we're told this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, 
but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, we have to get up every day and make a choice about whether we will serve God or serve the world. Whether we're going to, as we, we saw last week, search for the wisdom of God or use the wisdom of the world. You and I have an inward problem that directly affects our relationship with God. And oftentimes, it's seen first and foremost in our relationships with others. They're directly connected. There's the outward relationships because of an inward problem that affects our upward relationship with God. So, having said all of that, we need to ask the question, what is the solution? We need to understand what it tells us here in verse 5 and 6, so incredibly important. He says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He yearns jealously. I, I love that particular verse. That means that God has a passion within him that rises up and wants, jealously wants, that right relationship with you and I. He wants for that relationship with the Spirit that He's placed into us. He yearns for that. One commentator wrote this, he said, God is a jealous creator. Can't read my note. God is a jealous creator. He created the human spirit for fellowship with Himself. So one should beware when one seeks the world instead. Yet, in that situation, God does not reject the person, but he gives grace a greater gift. He makes, goes on to, to note that that giving of this greater gift of grace is a positive or a, a, a current active statement. It's not that he just gave it once when we were saved, or that he just gave it at the cross, or that he'll give it uh, if in the future we come and we ask, but he gives it continually the grace of God because he yearns jealously. He's offering this gift, this gift of grace to you and I, because his greatest desire is for you and I to be in right relationship with him. So when we see those relationships going awry, when we see and, and know in our own hearts the problems that we have and the issues that we're facing, we need to understand that God himself yearns to make it better. And he's done what it takes. To make it better. He gives more grace. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. But the important part there, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. God has given us the solution to the inward problem. So what is it that we should do? And going back there in our passage of Scripture, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That word opposes, it means he holds off. He pushes away. He doesn't get it too close. He opposes the proud, but he gives that grace to the humble. Verse 7, which is for next week or the next time we come back to James, really says something that's important, and I, I think we must read it. He says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I wonder this morning, as we've taken a look at this passage of Scripture, was there... Uh, relationships maybe attitudes uh, that have caused a riff and you understand that shouldn't be and you've also looked at your own heart and and you know that there's some problems there I just wonder this morning are you willing to submit yourselves to God would you pray with me Heavenly Father we thank you Lord God, for your grace, the grace, Father God, that abounds even beyond our own sin. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts. Father God, that we would know our condition before you. We would understand our relationship with you. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us for those things that have damaged that relationship. Help us, Father God, to submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen.